BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi guys, welcome back to the Balanced Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. I am coming in live from Bali, which is my new favorite place on earth. I'm currently in Ubud. We just checked into our hotel, the Goya. And first we were staying in Jimbaran and then still in Ubud, but at a different hotel called the Hanging Gardens. And now we're at the Goya and I have to say it was the warmest welcome I think I've ever experienced from any hotel in my whole life. And I want to tell you guys all about it and I will. I'm going to do a whole Bali recap episode when I get back to tell you about this life-changing place that um, sucked me right in and I feel like I want to move here and I'm already planning to come back for a full month next year because I already know that The next six or seven days here is not going to be enough. And I just feel so inspired here and so alive and so awake. And it's pretty incredible. So I will do a whole episode on that. But I just wanted to pop in and introduce our guest today. This is someone who has come highly recommended on the Soul on Fire podcast. Anyone who listened to my You're Not Crazy, You're Celestial episode with Nicola or to my episode with Sheena Manina, Raw Talk with Sheena is her podcast. We got into all of this celestial stuff also. And I follow Sheena's podcast really closely. She had on Wendy Kennedy, who is a celestial Pleiadian channeler, and she raises the frequency and the vibration here on this earth. So she works with higher frequencies, with beings of light. So she works with the language of light, which is something I didn't even know existed until she came over to my apartment and explained to me that she works with these galactic light codes. And we're super lucky to have her on the podcast. Everybody who's listening is going to get to have a taste of this light language. She infused the podcast with this code of light. And it kind of sounds like a, a different language, but not even that. More of a clicking and totally different type of speech because she is communicating with beings that are non-physical and that don't exist here on this physical plane. So it's really interesting stuff. I know that for some people listening, it might be a little bit out there and a little off the path of what you're used to listening to. Sometimes I have paleo chefs on this podcast and sometimes I have really spiritual intergalactic 
channelers. And I love the diversity myself because I'm so interested in spirituality and also in wellness. And I love that this podcast can encompass all of it. So if this is something that you're interested in, then I'm so happy to bring you Wendy. And if this is something that's new for you, then I challenge you to have an open mind and just hear what it's all about. And really, if you're into high vibe people and being happy and living a stress-free, pain-free life, then you'll take away something from this episode. And I hope that you learn as much as I did from Wendy because she is a huge inspiration to me. I'm so honored that she came on this podcast. She is a busy woman and she has a lot on her plate. And I just feel so grateful that she was willing to come share with us because you guys are the best listeners in the whole world. And I just want to bring you people who I think are deeply interesting and have something to teach all of us. So that's Wendy. It's going to be such a fun episode. And before I get into the episode, I wanted to take a second to thank our sponsor of today's podcast, Four Sigmatic. So Four Sigmatic is one of my favorite brands in the whole entire world. They are a mushroom coffee company and they do all sorts of powders with adaptogens like reishi and all these very, very good for us medicinal mushrooms that bring our body back to homeostasis. So their mushroom coffee, for example, which is my favorite product of theirs hands down, is such a good alternative to regular coffee because it has very, very little caffeine and very, very, very little acidity. So it's so good for you. It's very nourishing. There are so many health food properties in it. And the mushrooms just wake up your brain and alert you in the absolute best way possible. So I became a huge fan of mushroom coffee when Mary Beth LaRue, who was a guest much, much earlier on this podcast many months ago, turned me on to them by handing me a packet inside of Erewhon and telling me that she never goes anywhere without it because she tries to kind of get off coffee sometimes the way that I do. Although I am not that successful, even though I shared with you guys that I have this coffee allergy right now, I have been trying to switch it up and I've had a lot of mushroom coffee, which I love. But the thing is, I like to have real coffee and mushroom coffee, and I think they taste really good together. But the best way, I think, to make Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee is with hot water and the powder. And if you like sweet, like me, then some stevia. And it's delicious. It'll wake you up in the morning. It's full of healthy brain mushrooms, and it's not mushrooms like you think. It's all medicinal. So it is just highly good for you, for your body, for your brain in every single way. They also have sleep sticks. They have packs for um, specifically for the brain. They have matcha and they're always switching things up. They have just really cute packaging. Everything is very trendy and it makes me think of Venice in Los Angeles and that's one of my happiest of happy places. So Four Sigmatic just has a huge, huge, huge stamp of TBB approval. I bring them with me everywhere. I have them here with me in Bali. Jonathan, who's here with me and being super patient because we're about to go get massages together after this. He loves Four Sigmatic 
probably even more than I do, I have to say, just because it's probably one of his favorite products on earth. And Four Sigmatic has been kind enough to offer our Soul on Fire listeners a 15% off discount with the code BLONDE. So that is B-L-O-N-D-E at checkout. And you go to foursigmatic.com, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com. And anything and everything from their website that you buy with the code BLONDE will get you 15% off. So with the holidays coming up, I think it's a really good gift for any health-conscious friends in your life, any foodies, anybody who loves coffee but probably shouldn't be drinking coffee or even if they do drink coffee, they would probably like to try this product. And I just have to say that Mushroom Coffee was voted number one trending product of 2018. So that's something that I learned from Jonathan's brother, Adam. He tagged me in a Whole Foods Facebook post. And I thought that was so cool because Four Sigmatic is clearly ahead of the trend and they're doing so well. And I'm also having the founder of Four Sigmatic on the podcast in January. So you can learn all about his inspiration and what a cool guy he is then. He's full of knowledge. Can't wait to have him on. And Check them out at foursigmatic.com with the code BLONDE. Sending you guys so much love and magic from Bali. You can check my Instagram or my blog to read more and to see some behind the scenes photos. And without further ado, let's dive into this episode with the amazing Pleiadian channeler, Wendy Kennedy. All right, guys, I am sitting here with Wendy Kennedy. I'm so glad that she's here. I've been semi-stalking her work ever since I heard her on Sheena and Amber Lee's podcast and learned that she channels the Pleiadians um, verbally and she learned so with automatic writing and we'll talk about all of this, but I've been so into her and her website, Higher Frequencies, which by the name, I just already love it. So she's fabulous. She's here. And to give you a little background on Wendy, she's an intuitive, an empath, and a channel. And for more than two decades, she's used her gifts and abilities to work with beings in other realms and dimensions. She assists others in recognizing and releasing old patterns and helps them slash us to live more whole and integrated lives. So she's with me. I might as well have her introduce herself and say hello to you guys. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you, Jordan, for having me. It's nice to be with you all. Yeah, we're so happy that you're here. I, I was just telling Wendy that I posted in the Soul on Fire Facebook group earlier that she was coming here today. And many of you said that you're familiar with her work. You're so excited to learn from her. And that's exactly how I feel. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. So, Wendy... What I'm so curious about is 20 years ago when you started channeling, what was that like for you? I think a lot of us are in that position now uh, where we at least feel like we're starting to channel. We don't quite trust ourselves. I've heard some people say they feel like they're going crazy, quote unquote. What was that experience like for you? Well, I started having visions. That's how it all started for me. And, And I didn't really know what they were. Uh, it was a strange experience. Sometimes it was as if the vision was 
literally in front of me as if I could reach out and touch it. And then other times it was just kind of a flash that went through my mind. And so I started doing research. This was in the mid-90s. And I was trying to see if this was maybe something that was connected to the building I was living in, if it had to do with that, if it was some sort of haunting or uh, if it was a past life memory. And actually, that's what it turned out to be. But in my search, I came across channeling and I really didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anyone who did it, but I was very clear that it was something that I was supposed to be doing. It did not make logical sense to me, but I just had such a call to do it. And, you know, in the mid-90s, there wasn't a whole lot out there. You had the Seth material, you had uh, Sinea Roman, but there really wasn't a lot. And so I found a couple of books and I started working with some of the exercises and I was having really visceral responses to to trying to channel. I would have my eyes flutter and I would call call it leaking. Um, there was no emotion attached to it, but I, I would tear. And then I was having tingling in my arms and in my hands, but I was trying to channel verbally and it just wasn't happening. And so I would put it aside and I would go back to it. And in the interim, I was doing meditation classes and working on myself. And it took me about a year to to really make that transition. I sat down one day to try and I was very clear I needed pen and paper. And I just started doing the automatic writing. And if you've ever played with a Ouija board, you know that sensation when the piece is moving and you're thinking, oh, somebody else has got to be moving it. But it was just me and the pen. And I wasn't really moving the pen because when I do automatic writing, I could go for hours with the writing. But if I were to write myself for that long, my hand would start to cramp. So there's all this extra energy that's moving through. And so it was a little strange at the beginning. There is that moment that kind of flashes through your mind that it's like, is this real? Is this really happening? But I think this is very normal where we all will have that moment where we're very clear that this is real. We're very clear that this isn't just us. But then we go back into the mind and we start to pull it apart. Because in order to channel, we have to be in a different space. We have to be in a higher level of consciousness, which means we have to be in our heart center. And the moment we start analyzing it, we're going back to the ego mind, which drops us out of that frequency. And, you know, we do this all the time. So when people first start channeling, this is what they'll do. They'll be very clear. They'll recognize it. Oh, that was great. And then two minutes later, they'll start going into doubt about it. That's exactly where I am right now. I feel some days or some moments throughout the day, so clear. I could be driving and channeling because I look at numbers are huge for me. Like I was telling you when you got here, everybody listening, she got here at 201. My listeners know 201 to me is like a magic number. And I'll see numbers. I'll try to accept the download as I've learned to do um, versus just making a wish. It's 201. It's 1111. And channel uh, while I'm driving, seeing license plates, And then the next second, I'll just think, Jordan, you have a wild imagination. That's not even real. So that's the ego speaking, as you're saying. And it's so interesting to just learn how to trust. I think all of us recognize when we're kind of kidding ourselves, when 
we really check in. Is this just me making this up? Is this just wishful thinking? And when we recognize that, no, there's another quality about this. And one of the things you can do if you're in doubt is when you have that information come through and it feels really clear, you can also, in the next moment, just use your imagination. Do you Think of anything that you want. And what you'll notice is that your imagination is going to feel flat in comparison to what you just experienced. Because when you access multidimensional information, it's multi-leveled, multi-tiered, and there's a lot more there than just what you're getting. So say, for instance, when I channel, they might say to me that it's a nice day. What I know is that it's 70 degrees, there's a breeze, the birds are chirping, the grass is green. You know, there's a lot more detail and information. It's just not put into language. And when you start to compare the sensations, the way that you experience either visually or how you feel when you hear the words, when you start to observe that, you'll notice that it just doesn't quite feel the same. And then also what I say is that if it resonates with you as your truth, does it matter really where it comes from? So true. Because <laughs> a lot of times that's just coming from your higher self, your more aware self. Um, that's not really something that is outside of you. That is a part of you that, that's kind of covered up and hidden by all the programs. But we, we bypass all those programs and we access that information. So whether it's coming from our higher selves or from our guides, if it's in resonance with us, it, it really doesn't matter where where the source is coming from. That's so true. That's kind of like we were saying before we started recording that it's very easy to make these other dimensions, other beings, make them feel like an identity to us. And so if it's coming from my guides, then it's real. If it's coming from the Pleiadians, then it's real. But it's really all just comes back to how it feels to us to feel that information or to receive that information. I also think it's important for us not to give up our power. <laughs> That's yeah, such so a true. big one. Uh, because people say, oh, well, my guides are telling me this, so I must do it. No. Does it resonate with you? You have to use your discernment. And you know that I think that was one of the greatest lessons that I learned early on. And it's something that I've never forgotten. And the guides are always trying to instill that in others when they're learning to channel you have to listen to yourself. You have to listen to your intuition first because no one has better guidance for you than what you have for yourself when you're in that heart-centered space. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same as getting an opinion from a friend. You know, they've got their own agenda. They've got their own programs and their own belief systems that aren't identical to yours. And they can give you advice, but it doesn't mean you always want to take it. That's so true. Yeah, to stand in our own power is so important. I love that. So for people listening, it might be helpful to explain the beings that you work with and who they are, um, how you started to connect to them. I just have a feeling that there might be some questions about that. Well, when I first started, it was my angelic guide who came through first one of them. All of us have two angelics that are with us and they, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week through all physical lifetimes. And they generally show up or present themselves as one male, one female to help us balance polarity. And they were the first to show up for me. And typically when you start channeling, the being who shows up first is not necessarily the being that you're going to work with through this lifetime. 
They're the ones that you're the most comfortable with who can make the introduction, help you to open up. But then there's work to do. And there are beings who are better suited to do that. And so you may notice that who you start with is not who you work with as a primary guide. And that was certainly the case for me. Do you know their names? My guides? Yeah. Yeah. This is so fun. (laughs) What are their names? Um, One is called Shor Harar and the other is Jaranad. So they're my my two primary angelics. Wow. And are they beings that have passed on or are they in another dimension? They're in a higher dimensional realm. You know, sometimes it's funny because we want to know all the specifics of who they are, how do they live, and honestly, we can't really grasp a lot of that. Um, So it goes back to learning to trust in myself and how I feel about what I'm given. Uh, I think a lot of people will go, you know, well, how do you know this is a good being? Or how do you know that they're positive or negative? Or are they trying to trick you? And you have to use your discernment. So I can ask a being who they are, where they're from. They can give me a truth that is as close to their version of the truth that I can handle or that I can comprehend based on the construct that I'm living in. So it's not always an accurate picture. So when I ask about some of these other beings, they'll give me an idea. But I don't always delve too deeply into the specifics of who they are, just simply because I I have an awareness that I can't really comprehend. I mean, the answer they give me isn't going to be entirely accurate. There are a couple of other beings that I work with who who came in shortly thereafter, Ramshi and Karola. And when I've channeled publicly, Karola has come through, well, lately a a bit more. I think I heard her come through on Sheena's podcast, I believe. So they are both 12th dimensional beings and they are beings of light. They don't have physical form and they um, are part of a greater consciousness. As you come down into dimension we kind of split our awareness of who we think we are. We create a smaller box, so to speak. We partition off our awareness and they have a higher level of awareness. And and anytime you go up, really from the ninth dimension up, we're more collective beings than anything else. So they're part of a larger collective and I work with them quite a bit. And then um, the Pleiadians came in. And uh, the Pleiadians that I work with are beings of light. They don't have physical form and they reside in the ninth dimension. And rather than incarnating to a planet the way that we do, they align with a stellar body. So they align with the consciousness and the frequency and kind of the blueprint and the, the mission or the goal or what it is that that system wants to explore And they actually uh, align with Alcyon, which is the central sun in the Pleiades. If you don't know where the Pleiades is, um, in the winter in the Northern Hemisphere, you can see it pretty clearly. They tell me it's a a cluster of about 750 stars. Um, We don't usually hear that number. It's usually a little less. What we can see with the naked eye is really... um, maybe about 14 stars if it's not too bright where you live. And if you find Orion's Belt, which is usually pretty easy for most of us to identify in the night sky, and you look up probably about 5 degrees, 10 degrees, and there's kind of this hazy patch of stars, that's the Pleiades. So it's known by a lot of names. It's been written in a lot of literature. It's known as the Seven Sisters. It's in mythology. 
the doves. So there's there's been a lot that goes back to the Pleiades because they're actually very connected with us. They are, in some sense, our progenitors, but they are also here to be stewards for us. They're here to assist us. And the group that I work with, they really focus on records, on information, because Alcyon, the star that they align with, is a library of sorts. It's the central library for our galaxy. So that's where all the records of experience are held for this local galaxy. And you can think about all of your life experiences are stored in your own personal field, but we're holographic, so they get stored in multiple places. So they're also stored in the earth and then in the sun and then also in the central sun, which is Alcyon. So you can think of yourself like the paperback, all right? And then our sun contains all the records or the earth contains all the records for everybody on the earth. So that would be like your branch library. And then all the planets, all the information then gets stored within our sun, which would be like the main library. And then the central sun for the galaxy would be like the library of Congress. It's where all the records for all of the systems within our galaxy get stored. So they're very much about looking at history, the way that we perceive it, because time doesn't really exist. We just are utilizing the perception of a linear perceived reality in this dualistic dimension in 3D. All there really is is the present moment. And they say time is a marker for an experience. So they're very good at helping us to find and identify records and to understand the constructs of this dimension. So that's what they've come to do. And that's what they are helping me to share with other people. And then there are a whole lot of other beings who show up for me. It's, it's kind of um, a galactic roundtable, I suppose. That's so cool. So there are beings from Sirius and Orion. Well, not so many Orions, but a few. Uh, there are beings from Lyra or Lyra, however you want to pronounce mm-hmm. it. Andromeda, Arcturus, Cassiopeia. And when I first began channeling... Over 20 years ago, they started giving me these codes. And at first, it was an Arcturan dialect of the language of light. And it was, a repre- it was represented in, in symbols. And I played with that for quite a while. And then I put it aside. They stopped bringing it through in the same way. And then a few years ago, they brought it back. And they said, it's time to start working with this again. So when I started working more and more with the galactic light codes, there were more galactic beings who started showing up. So it's been a full house lately. Yeah. So the galactic light code, something that we were talking about a little bit before we started recording, is, as you were saying, a language of light, a universal language, and has helped you connect to even more beings. Do they wish, do all these light beings wish that they could connect with more physical human beings if more humans were open to this or are they content with just connecting with a few? I don't know if they really feel like they have to connect consciously, but they would love to see humans more empowered, at least the ones that I'm working with, and and really help us to move through these phases that we're going through, this awakening. Um, a lot of times as we're awakening, we want to get to the other side. We want to be fifth dimensional. That's that's what we all want to do. And really, it's not so much about getting to the other side because we already know what that's like, but it's really about the journey 
that we go through? How do we do it? How do we forget who we are, that we're an aspect of source? And then how do we remember? How do we come out of that into an elevated state? And they're here to support us on that or with that. And they also are invested. The guides are very clear that all of these beings have an agenda one way or another. There's just no getting around that. So that agenda might be just to be of support, but it's still an agenda. Some of them are here because their species are having issues of their own. And so we are related. Um, Earth is a grand experiment. It was created with genetic material from thousands and thousands of worlds. So we have a lot of life on this planet, some we have yet to discover even in our oceans and in remote areas of the world. There are still species that we're still discovering. And each of these carries with it all of the patterns, programs, emotional beliefs of all of these species. So we have a wide range of emotions on this planet, which is very unusual. Other systems don't have the range that we have. And sometimes it's a little hard for us to think about because it would be like telling you that there are more colors. And to me, at least, it's really hard for me to imagine there being more colors. What does it mean to have a different color? Because this is all I know. Yeah. And so uh, it's, it's the same thing when, when we think about, oh, you know, they they're only have five emotions. What's that like? Or they have a, an experience that isn't as rich and varied as what we have. And that's part of the reason the grand experiment was created in the first place. Because if we have lots of variations, there are more pathways to accomplish this process where we forget who we are and come out of it. It's been tried a number of times before and it, it didn't go well. So wow. <laughs> this is part of the setup of the game. And what we are sharing with the universe through this process is a deeper understanding of compassion. Because being in this dense reality, we all know how difficult it is. And, and when we see somebody else who is truly suffering, we have a sense of what that is within us. And it allows us to access compassion in a way that these beings don't. In a, in a, they say there's a breadth of compassion that we access that they don't necessarily experience because to them, it, they're in a state of compassion, but it's not as intense. When you know how difficult it is, when you have struggled, that compassion that you have for somebody is much, much deeper. And so as we go through this process, we'll share our ability to access compassion with all of that emotion, with the rest of the universe. And that's transformative. It actually changes the universal game. Wow. That's so interesting. So as a human being, your, your human self, how do, you, how do you maintain boundaries for you? Because you're accessing all of this information. Information is coming through you. And boundaries are hard to work with regardless of what type of information you're accessing. So I'm wondering if you have any tips or routines. Well, I think just like everybody else, I still work with boundaries. Mine are, mm-hmm. you know, over, over the years, I've gotten better at holding my own. And, and there are a couple of ways to think of boundaries. You can think of it in terms of putting yourself in this cocoon of light. That's, that's one kind of beginner step. That's a way to perceive it. But really, 
we, at some point we have to move beyond that. And I think in a lot of the traditions today, that's how most people think of boundaries and they, they think of it in terms of protection. And we can talk about that, but that idea of protection can set up some issues later on, the farther down the line you get. Um, because when we put ourselves in that cocoon, we're actually creating a wall of separation. And that just perpetuates perpetuates the illusion that we're carrying that we're separate from source. So at some point, you have to drop that illusion and just know that that is your, your state, that you are inherently safe, that you are inherently maintaining your frequency. So if you can think of a boundary as a maintenance of frequency, if you think about uh, energy running parallel, so something that's of a high vibration runs parallel to something that is of a lower vibration, and those two don't cross. So if you're holding the higher resonance, then that's really all you have to do. You don't have to protect yourself from that lower one because it's not coming up. What happens is we go down to the lower and we experience and we engage at that level. And that's when we create our issues. That's when we create the attack if we have the idea that we need protection because the universe is going to give us a reflection of wherever we're vibrating, whatever thoughts and emotions that are pulsing from us. That makes sense. I like thinking of it that way. So do you have tips for remaining that higher vibration? I think it's about practice. I think it's about recognition and just keep a, a practice where you keep coming back to it. The guides will often recommend setting an alarm and checking in once an hour. Where am I at? You know, am I really angry at that guy who just cut me off in the car? Am I cussing him up one side and down the other? Or am I feeling in a loving, calm, balanced state? Living in LA, <laughs> for me, uh, that could be a real challenge. Me too. Um, you know, it really takes some practice and I have to check in quite frequently to see where I'm at. Um, you know, and there's no getting around it. I think we all are looking for that hack, that shortcut, and it just doesn't exist. You have to have a practice. You have to keep checking in. And I think, you know, for me, that's something that in the past, I didn't have something that was truly structured because I was checking with the guide so often. I, I didn't have something that was on the clock. But the more intense things have gotten, the more I've had to do that. Even though I have a greater awareness of myself and what I'm doing, it, I just had to start doing it. Otherwise, it was making me crazy. I was exhausted. As an empath, I would close my root chakra because it didn't feel safe with everybody's craziness just kind of flowing out everywhere. And if I wasn't grounded, then I couldn't hold my frequency and I, I couldn't hold my boundary. And so uh, I was just picking up people's stuff and I recognize it pretty quickly, but it still meant that I had to do more clearing and, and looking at where I'm holding those same kinds of beliefs that I'm picking up from other people. Um, the guys always talk about it in terms of like walking down the street in a white outfit and it's a dusty road that you're walking down and, you know, the white outfit's going to get dirty. And it's no fault of, the, of anything you're doing. It's just the nature of things. And so it's the same thing with us as we're out and about. There are things that we will pick up and we just have to clear our field. You wouldn't dream of not washing your clothes for weeks and weeks at a time or, or not bathing. So it's something that we just have to make a part of our daily practice and sometimes multiple times a day. Yes. 
Yes, that definitely speaks to me. I believe I pick up a lot of energy all of the time. And without those practices that I've picked up to sage myself and have my rituals, I get really caught up in all of the energy that I pick up. So that makes a lot of sense. Boundaries are so important. And is that something that you teach about in your manifestation course that you share online? We talk a little bit about that. Um, the process. Uh, yes, the is, process. So the guides have taken their 20 years of conversations about the, the process of manifestation. And they've kind of distilled it into this four-week online course. And they talk about the different phases that we go through in the process and the vacillation between using the feminine and the masculine but really, as we become more aware of who we are and what our own energy feels like, as we start checking in, then it makes it much easier to recognize when we've plugged into something else. I think probably the most challenging place for most of us is with family. Yes. You know, it's easier to do with strangers, but with your family, you want them to succeed. You want them to be well. Sometimes that line gets a little blurred and we have to really pay attention to those relationships. Yes, I feel that. I'm definitely going to be checking out the process. And for everyone listening, that's a manifestation course on Wendy's site. We'll put it in the show notes. It sounds amazing and will really help with all this stuff that we're talking about, tapping in, manifesting, all of that good stuff. So I think we should call in the Pleiadians and sure. see and have them come here and talk sure. to us. So I always like to tell people before I bring them in that, um, you know, they waited about nine months for me when I first began channeling before they came in because they actually work with tone and sound. And when I first started, I was doing the automatic writing. And then along the way, I was hearing the words well before I was writing them. And they said, it's time to put down the pen and paper and channel verbally. And so I did. And it was at that point that the Pleiadians came through. And as you hear them, you'll notice they don't sound anything like me. <laughs> um, for those who are going to ask, because everybody asks, I grew up in Kansas. <laughs> say, where are you from? Um, Kansas. Yes. At the beginning, the Pleiadians, the dialect that they used, and it, and it really isn't any one particular dialect. It's just tones and sounds that resonate with you at the cellular level. But the, the tones and sounds they used sounded far more British. And then at one point, it went way to this other extreme where the vowels sounded more Australian in nature. And that was a trip because I, it was using muscles in my, my jaw, my face that I had never used. And wow. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was getting a workout and, you know, my jaw would ache. So anymore, they're kind of somewhere in the middle with the tones that we need. So it's, again, not any one particular dialect. And the other beings that I channel, they don't sound like this. Um, so this is definitely the Pleiadians. So I will bring them in and we'll see where we go. Yay. Ah, uh, yes. Hello, dears. This is the Ninth Dimensional Pleiadian Collective, and it is a pleasure and an honor to have the opportunity to connect with you. So uh, there are lots of beings present, and some of you have brought along your own guides. Those of you who are listening know your guides are standing right beside you, no matter when you're listening to this, because those of us on the other side don't experience time the way that you do. It is moment-to-moment -moment existence. So for you, it might seem like two weeks, but for us, it's the next moment, and we're just standing there. <laughs> So know that you all have a tremendous amount of support. There are many resources for you to access on the other side. You simply need ground, connect, get quiet and listen. And 
yes, is was discussed. It's going to feel like your imagination, but go with it anyway. And, uh, you know, check in. If it resonates, great. If it doesn't, great. And we would say the same thing is true for anything that you hear today. If something does not resonate, let it go. If it's something that you really need, it will come back around again in a slightly different form. And you'll say, hmm, I've heard that before. That sounds familiar. And you'll pay attention the next time around you're in a space to receive it. So um, where would you like to start? How may we be of service to you today? Well, first of all, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm very excited to connect with you. I feel that I have been connecting in my own ways through automatic writing and working with different shamans in my life. And I'm wondering if you already know that and if I'm for, if that's for sure been happening, like I feel it has. Oh, yes. And all of you uh, are connecting with your guides, whether you're conscious of it or not. That's what they're there for, to help you. And they're giving you information. They are oftentimes helping to put situations and awarenesses within your perspective. When you see your repeated symbols and signs and patterns, pay attention. If you wonder, is this a sign for me? Then take it as such because the thought wouldn't cross your mind otherwise. Yes. So one of my signs is a number, 201. It shows up in my life all the time, but I have other numbers like 444, 333, so many that are often thought of as angel numbers and other things. Is that something that could be related to a sign from the Pleiadians? Well, not just from us, but from your guides as well. Uh, We wouldn't say we can claim that specifically (laughs) because there are many who will show up. You know, think about it this way, that There are many beings who are observing what's going on with earth at the moment. And if you were walking down the street and you overheard someone asking for directions, would you not stop and help them? And it's the same on the other side. We hear many of you asking questions and we may not be your primary guide, but if we can help, we will. We will share information with you. And so it is with many beings who are watching and observing. So it is not always your own specific guides Um, Your guides have your back, so to speak. They're aware of the beings who come into your awareness, who come into your field. They also uh, honor your free will because there are certainly lessons that you all must play out and experience. Anything that you are playing out at the human-to-human level, you will also play out interdimensionally. So just have an awareness of that. So if you've got boundary issues going on human to human, you're also going to play that out interdimensionally. And if you've got fears as you start to channel, because all of you have fears, uh, as that gets triggered and activated, let's say you're afraid of trust or or being manipulated, Look to see where you're playing that out at the human-to-human level. Where are you not trusting other people? Where are you not trusting, more importantly, yourself? Because as you learn to trust yourself, it doesn't really matter what anyone else is saying or what their intentions necessarily are because if you trust yourself, you're going to have an awareness of whether that is your truth or not. You're going to have the, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up to say, hmm, something feels off. This doesn't feel quite right. And you listen to it. And you proceed based off of that awareness. So, you know, don't fear so much connecting with the other other dimensions, but just have an awareness that you've got to use your discernment. You've got to listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. I love that. So, is do you guys have any tips as far as connecting with you, those of us here who would like to connect and get answers from you? Well, we're always available to all of you. You don't have to go through Wendy. We're happy to work with any of you. So the first step is always grounding. 
you always want to imagine you are connected with the earth. And and that's particularly important for those that are drawn to connect with the stellar realms because most of you are stellar oriented. Most of you are highly sensitive and you're not always wanting to connect with the earth because you haven't managed to really ground, create a clear a clear state for yourself, being clear about where your vibration is. What happens is that you are connecting, you're spreading your energy out and you're hitting the edge of somebody else's energetic field. They've got programs running, they've got fear programs and you encounter that frequency and you've got very similar programs running. And so all of a sudden, your program, which is running at a very low volume in your field, gets cranked up and activated. And so when you encounter somebody else's stuff, then that puts you into contraction because you don't like it. It doesn't feel good. You get very triggered and activated. So for empaths and sensitives, the way that you cope and manage with that is to pull your energy up to close your root chakra. And as you close that chakra, what's happening is that when we look at your field, instead of your auric field extending several feet beneath your physical feet, it is actually about mid-thigh level. So it almost looks like you're pulling your energy up. And as you connect with the core of the earth, you're connecting with the beautiful light, the being that is Mother Earth. And this allows you to complete your energetic connection. You are living in a dualistic universe. You've got polarity with everything. There is a positive and negative, a male, a female, masculine, feminine, light, dark. You can't escape it. it is, it's woven into the tapestry of the universe. And part of that is the celestial polarity and the, the planetary polarity. Those of you who are listening, you are comfortable with the celestial, but not so much the planetary because you have this idea as a sensitive that it's a hard place to be, that it's painful. And that's because you're identifying with yourself from that separated perspective. You're seeing yourself as separate from everyone and everything. And most, most importantly, you're seeing yourself as being separate from source energy. That is your core wound. So as you begin to connect with Mother Earth, that puts you into this heart-centered space in which you have an awareness that you are connected to everyone and everything. And you're not identifying with those shall we call them dysfunctional programs, that you are identifying with the pristine being of divine light and love that exists within everyone. So when you encounter other people and their stuff, you simply look at it and say, oh, isn't that interesting what they've chosen to create for themselves? It's a neutral stance that you're holding. You're not judging it as being right or wrong, good or bad. And you have to be in your heart-centered space in order to access that. And in order to maintain your connection to that heart-centered space, you have to be grounded and connected to the earth. The earth is sending you constant signals about maintenance of frequency, about where you should be vibrating, what pulse, what hurts. And if you are not grounded, we also want to throw this out there because many of you are using today's technology quite extensively. If you're not grounded, your technology is going to be very disruptive to you. If you're grounded, it's not a problem because you're in training with Mother Earth. If you're not, you're in training with the technology and the technology's frequency is not in vibrational resonance with that of Mother Earth. It's actually quite um, disruptive. 
So it, you'll find that if you are not grounded and you're working with technology, after a while, you're going to be very agitated, very irritable, very tired. So if that's the case, you need to start breathing, taking some nice deep breaths, and imagine connecting to the core of the earth. You can use any visualization that you want. So that's step one. All right, our long, our long discourse mm-hmm. on how to ground. And then heart center. So heart center, it really is as easy as thinking of something that puts a smile on your face. You all want to make it very complicated. And that's the fastest way we found to get you out of the mind. Uh, if you all right now want to take a deep breath and just imagine a person or an animal that brings a smile to your face. And, and we don't often say to think of a person, but for many of you we're seeing who are listening that this is difficult for you then uh, to just imagine an animal, you can think of a person, but you might have some subconscious programs running about the other people that you're not aware of. And even for some animals that are pets, you may not be so happy because they've just chewed on your favorite pair of shoes. So um, think of a, a baby animal of any kind, and that will usually get you all into that heart-centered space. And when you're there, you're going to usually feel warm and tingly, uplifted. You will have a smile, and, and it doesn't take you long. Now, you all are not going to stay there. That's the other thing that we want to mention here, that you will vacillate in and out of this heart-centered space because as you are accessing this space, you're actually elevating your overall frequency. In order to maintain that frequency, you've got to clear out all that unconscious programming. You've got to clear out all of those subconscious thoughts that, that say that you're separate, all those old stories. And they start to vibrate in order to come up and entrain. It gets your attention. It pulls you out. And, and you're back in that lower frequency. So there is an ebb and a flow. You're going to go up and come down. You're going to go up and come down. And each time, hopefully, as you come down, it's not as far. And each time you go up, hopefully, you're staying there just a little bit longer. So we don't want you all to get into this habit of berating yourselves because you're not staying at a high frequency. You say, oh, I should know better. Or why isn't this working? What am I doing wrong? I'm not enough. It works for everybody but me. And just know that it's a process and you have to keep going up because sometimes what gets reflected back to you, what is showing up in your life is what you need to elevate in order to maintain that resonance that you're striving for. So that's part two. Put yourself in a heart-centered space. Part three, ask specific questions. General questions get general answers. And you've got free will And we don't want to interfere with that. So we have to kind of tiptoe around your questions quite often. The more specific you are, the more specific answers you're going to get. And most of you have something in mind. We really get you to work this process when you work with us because just going into that state of inner reflection about what do I want to know is of such tremendous service to you all because you are not using your critical minds very often. Uh, We hate to say that, but you're just kind of going along. You're not really questioning things. You're not searching. You're not looking. And so this gives you an opportunity to say, well, what do I want? Most of you haven't taken the time to figure that out. You know what you don't want, but you haven't really put your energy onto what you do want. So that's part of why we ask you to formulate your questions, but also... Knowledge of a higher vibrational nature has to be sought. It cannot just be given. You have to want it. You have to have a quest for it. And once you have initiated that desire, then it can be given to you. Uh, But we can't just throw it at you. 
you have to seek it. And so that's part of the other reason why we are oftentimes getting you to ask a question. So ask your question. The next step, listen. Mm-hmm. It's going to seem like your imagination. And you might say, is this my imagination? But we say, just go with it. Does this resonate as truth for you? And if you ask, is this just my wishful thinking? Is this, is this just me making it up? You all really know. When you get clear, when you're in your heart-centered space, you know that it's just you telling yourself a story and you know when it's something more. And sometimes what you want to hear is actually what the truth is. Other times, not so much. And you know the difference. When you really check in, if you're honest with yourself, you know the difference. Yes? Yes. So that's the next part. And then repetition. If you need confirmation, ask for it. Say, guides, I think this is the information that you're trying to get to me. Can you give me another sign? Can you give me some confirmation? And we will do our best to put it in your field until you get it or you no longer want it. So you can say, uh, you know, can you give me a sign? Sometimes it will be through repeated patterns and symbols. Other times it might be the information coming again in another form. It might be someone else who is speaking in line behind you at the store, who is uh, talking about the very thing you wanted to know more about, or you might read it in a book or hear it in a lecture. So it will come in other ways. And if, again, you think, is this my sign? Is this my confirmation? Then take it as such because the thought would not cross your mind otherwise. That's all very helpful. Thank you for that. It's simple. You all want to make it very complicated, and it, and it really isn't. It's actually quite simple. The part that is the hardest for you and the, the part that you all have to work on is letting go of your fears. You all have many, many fears that keep you from accessing that higher information. And if you want to channel, you've got to do the inner work. You've got to look at your belief systems, and you've got to look at where you're judging yourself and other people and reframe what you're, you're focused on. You don't necessarily have to know the stories. You have to know the frequency that you want to experience. How do you want to feel when you wake up? What do you want to experience in your day? You can pick a frequency for the day. Today, I want to experience joy. Today, I want to experience more laughter in my life. Set the intention and then keep checking in throughout the day. You'll notice that the judgments will come up. Pay attention to where you're struggling in relationships because that's showing you. Remember what we said about having issues person to person at the human level. You also have that same issue interdimensionally. So if you're not trusting people at the human level, it's going to be very hard for you to channel because you're not necessarily trusting in yourself and you're not trusting the information that you're getting and you're not trusting the source of that information and on and on and on. So you've got to be doing your inner work. The more you release your judgment, which we call integration, the more a neutral stance you can hold to uh, view everything from seeing that there are two sides of every coin. There's a positive side and a negative side. Remember, we were talking about your dualistic universe. This is the setup for the game. In human form, you identify with a side of the coin. You identified with side A or side B. When you want to move to a higher dimensional perspective, you have to not identify with a side, but identify with the coin itself, that both sides are equally important. You can't have a a coin with just one side. It's just not possible in a dualistic universe. So you have to see it from that perspective. You have to see that, ah, all right, there's a benefit. Even though I was thinking I was the victim, I'm learning from this. 
It's serving me. And when you see that point of service, you identify with the totality of the experience, the positive and negative sides, the victim perpetrator. uh, And then you're able to see the totality of it and you release the pain, you release the struggle. Wow, that makes makes a lot of sense. So since time does not exist where you are and people who will be listening to this in a few weeks, our time, you already then know who's listening, how many people are listening, where they are. Do you have a message for the people listening specifically? Right now, it's particularly challenging because everybody's emotions are running high. Wendy was talking earlier about really maintenance of frequency and clearing out your energetic field. That's going to be really important. If you don't have a practice, you need to get one. And that practice doesn't have to be steeped in any massive tradition, but it needs to be with you checking in with you. Where am I vibrating? What's going on? Your breath is really important. Your breath is the great connector energetically. It it moves through the body and it is helping to purify and bring information and energy throughout the entire body, but it also can transform and it is energy. It works and moves in your energetic field as well as the physical body. So we call breath the great connector. And you need to make sure that you have some practice in place in which you are breathing properly or taking time throughout the day to make sure that you are breathing. There are lots of different ways to breathe to accomplish different things. Depends on what you want. Um, But just even deep breathing is going to make such a difference for many of you because when you go into fear, you hold your breath. And you will find that you're just not breathing deep enough and it can be exceptionally transformative, uh, especially now uh, since the eclipse that you all experienced several months ago. uh, Everybody's stuff is up. Everybody is being asked to walk more of their authentic path and any place that they're out of alignment with that, it's coming up to be integrated. So everybody is feeling this and they're also feeling the compression of the illusion of time. So it feels like there aren't as many hours in the day. When you're operating from the lower mind, the ego mind, you're trying to control and manipulate every step of the journey. It's very difficult. It takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. If you are taking the time to breathe to heart center, you're going to get ideas and inspirations that will put you into alignment with things in a much more expeditious way, in a much easier way. And that's also something that's going to be very important for all of you to do, to follow your intuition about what the next steps are. But you've got to take time to get quiet. You've got to ground, breathe, and go inside and ask. And then set that intention. Keep coming back to the frequencies of what it is that you want to create. Because if you do not set this up for yourself, within a year, you are going to feel exhausted. The pace is going to pick up for all of you. This idea, this compression of time as you're experiencing it, as you go higher in frequency, the experience of time is compressed until you step out of it, until you move into that heart-centered space and beyond it. But otherwise, it just feels compressed. Your 24 hours right now is feeling more like 12 used to feel. And it's going to get faster and faster and faster. So you've got to have these processes in place in order to feel like you're staying sane. Wow. That definitely resonates right now for me and I'm sure for a lot of people listening. So what else 
from your perspective, is our Earth experiencing right now? You said time is going to start feeling faster after the eclipse. Everything has risen to the surface. Is there anything else specifically that you perceive that we can work on? Well, many of you are struggling to figure out what your purpose is. What's my life path? We get asked that all the time. And it's really important. Hear us now. (laughs) It's really important that you understand it's not so much about what you do. It's your state of being that you carry into everything that you do that is your life purpose. We're going to say that again because that is so important. It is not what you do as much as the state of being that you carry into everything that you do. If we told you you're supposed to go write, that's what your life purpose is, to be a writer. Well, that might suit you for about a year, maybe two years. And after that, then what? So this is about you exploring a multitude of frequencies and experiences and combinations of experiences that fulfill a basic vibrational expression. So ultimately, all of you have the same mission, if you will, and that's to experience as much joy as you possibly can. And in the process, you're being of service. That's it. And then there are infinite ways for you to play that out in your lifetime. At one point, you might feel like, yes, I want to write. I want to communicate. I want to speak. And then at another point, you might say, I want to do something that's completely different over here. And that's fine. And again, many of you are searching for this path. You're looking for an archetypal pattern that you think fits what you're feeling. And many of you just simply are not finding it. And that is a good thing. Because what you want to build doesn't exist yet. You don't have the archetypal patterns. You don't have the institutions. Uh, And this is what you are changing. A lot of your institutions are falling apart. You're looking around at your political and economic systems and you're able to see what isn't working. But you don't necessarily know what the new form looks like just yet. And in the process of manifestation, it is your responsibility to work with frequency. The universe takes care of the form. So in the process of manifestation, you pulse frequency out, the universe reflects it back, and then you step out to engage with it. It's also important for you to embrace more feminine energy because most of you are not using it. You're seeing it up very heightened in your news media right now, the suppression of the feminine with a lot of the sexual harassment that's going on. And it's coming to the awareness that it's time to to honor the feminine. And the feminine is the stillness. It's the you getting quiet and going inside. That's the first step, clearing that space as it were, and then making a vibrational selection. Today, I want to experience more joy. Today, I want to experience more laughter. Today, I want to experience more connection. You make a vibrational selection, and then you imagine, what would that feel like? You can say, I am happy, or you can say, I wonder what it would feel like to be happy, because you could say, I'm happy, and the ego mind gets busy saying, oh, who's she kidding? She's not happy. She's miserable. She's upset. And when you say, I wonder what it would feel like to be happy, you you bypass those programs and you allow the imagination to take hold. Whether you say you are a thing or wonder what it would be like to be a thing, both will put you in resonance with the frequency. So you're pulsing it out. You're using the masculine energy there. And then you go back into the receptive feminine state to observe what's coming to me. And then you say, ah, I recognize that frequency. That's what I asked for. Doesn't look anything like I thought it might. 
but I recognize the frequency. And then you move back into masculine, you take action on it, you step out to greet it. And, you know, the way that you all can think about it is with, with people that you meet, say, at a party. You don't really know much about that person. You don't know what their name is or you don't know what they do or what beliefs they hold, but you feel drawn. There's something about the frequency that calls to you. And it's the same thing in your life purpose. There's something about the frequency that is appealing and you're listening to how it vibrates within you. And then you step out and you take action. And then you make course corrections. It might be an intermediate step. It got you a little further down the road. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's the end all and be all, but it's a first step. It's really important that you are just present with every step that you take, that you let go of your expectation of what something is supposed to be because your expectation will never match the actual vibrational experience. What you consider to be failure is when your expectation doesn't match the actual vibrational experience. What you say is success is when it's relatively close. So you're just approaching it out of curiosity. Oh, I wonder what this is going to be like. And you step into it. And then you have the experience and you say, do I want to create this again or not? If yes, then you imagine that frequency again and you step out to greet it as it shows up again. And if not, you say, all right, I want something different. And then you make a new vibrational selection. This information that is given to you and it educates you to say, ah, Now I know what that frequency is like. I don't necessarily need to repeat it. I've got an awareness of it. And so I want something that's slightly different. And so I'll change my resonance to match something that's slightly different. Make sense? That does make sense. So as one of the final questions for the Pleiadians, as you're here, do you have a particular message for me by any chance hosting this show or when it comes to the rest of my life? Um, Patience with self. And and we see many of you struggle with this. There is this expectation that you should be further along. You should have a different awareness. So just to have a a moment where you just acknowledge that that you are where you are and it's perfect for your, your growth. It's perfect for your awareness of what's around you, of how you engage or don't engage, whatever the case may be. Um, And trusting in yourself a bit more. All of you struggle with that one following more of those signs, following more of those intuitive hits because you've got a few new opportunities that are coming up for you in about six months, but they're going to require you to trust. And stepping outside of that comfort zone, all of you struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if something doesn't feel a little uncomfortable or make you a little nervous in a good way, uh, then you're probably not dreaming big enough. That's one thing that we see with many of you. You just don't dream big enough. Dream bigger dreams. The universe will take care of, of how much you can handle right now and will continue moving you up in frequency until you're ready to get that big dream. You're ready to receive it. You're able to hold enough energy in your body to receive it. So uh, for you, um, it's trusting that unknown path and things that just seem a little crazy uh, that you never thought you might be doing something, but yet here this opportunity is and it's got some frequencies that are really appealing and and you're not sure, can I do it? Can I not do it? This is what you all go through. <laughs> you've been able to manage through everything that you've you've done in your life thus far. Sometimes not with so much grace or ease, <laughs> but you managed, you survived, you're still alive. And so it will be with everything else that you do. You trust in yourself to figure it out as you go. And that's where the excitement is at the soul level. That's what's thrilling because if you know how it's going to go relatively, 
you've had similar experiences, then the excitement isn't there in the same way. So this is why we say dream bigger and doing things that are vastly different. You don't know how that's going to meld with what you've already learned, but you're going to stretch yourself and it's all good. So go with life with a bit of gusto. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing with us and for being here. You guys are awesome. And my listeners and I are going to continue tuning into you. That's our pleasure, dear. So um, if it's all right, we'd like to leave you with a very brief language of light activation to help you all open up. Please. All right. So again, the language of light, there's really nothing that you need to know or do. Just simply sit with your legs, arms uncrossed if you can. And um, take a deep breath. Take another nice deep breath. All right, so we'll leave you here, dear ones. Feel free to call on us directly. You don't need Wendy. And until then, we'll be watching and waiting and sending many well wishes. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. Wow. Hi, Wendy. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, that was informative, to say the least, and how enlightening what they share. Oh, you know, they're really lovely. (laughs) There's your voice. It's so interesting (laughs) to be sitting here and to be looking at you, talking to you, and and now to hear your voice come come back out. Yeah. (laughs) So a question I have for you as you're channeling, is this something that you are aware... Okay, how do I ask this question? You're still here while they're channeling. So are you listening too or do you kind of go to a different place? I hear it. Uh, I'm aware of all of it and sometimes a little bit more. Uh, So again, what I was saying where there's multiple layers to the information, sometimes I get more than just what the words that are spoken connote. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same with you as you receive it. You'll hear the words and you'll process that. But then there are energetic packets that you receive in the transmission as well. So I sometimes have a greater awareness of that. Um, But it's like a lucid dream for me. It fades very, very quickly. And unless there's something that I need to know for myself that I need to carry forward, you know, in an hour, I probably won't remember too much. I'll have a general memory of what they said, but the specifics, I'm a little hazy about that. So when you listen to this episode, you'll be getting new information all over again. Yeah, it's in a way. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot. Now they, yeah, they did mention mm-hmm. that. And you know, when I work with private clients, I sometimes feel very bad uh, about the fact that I can't remember details about who they are because most of the time I spend with them, it's when I'm channeling. So once 
they come in, it's like all this information becomes available. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's who that person is. But when I speak to them, I don't always have that recognition because I'm not right. fully engaged. <laughs> and then they see you and they they feel so close to you and you're just like, mm, I well, don't you know, remember all just, the details. Yeah, it's hard. It's, yeah. yeah, unless wow. I go in to find or seek that. It's just, it's not something that I need to carry with me. So I don't. That makes sense. So when you channel for a specific client, do people ask really specific questions about their life? It varies. You know, it's it's changed a lot over the years. And even what I'm doing right now, I've backed away a little bit from doing the traditional channeling, direct channeling for the private sessions. And that's shifting a little more to taking a deeper dive approach to looking uh, to working with the activation with the light codes to see what people want to bring online instead of just their general curiosities about what did that dream represent or what did, you know, that light in the sky look, you know, who was that? I think we need to go a little deeper. And so that's part of why I pulled my energy back from doing that. But also because I just couldn't, I couldn't reach as many people doing that. And it's, it's time. So I'm, I'm creating more things that are group oriented, um, but people, even when we do group sessions, it just runs the gamut in what people ask. It's where your curiosity is in the moment. Yeah, that makes sense. I wasn't sure. I was tempted to ask really specific questions about my future and things that I would love to know, but I'm not sure how specific the answers really get. Well, I think with the future, there are a couple things that the guides always say. And one is that it's, it, it's, it doesn't really serve you. To, to have that idea that six months from now, you're going to have this, that, or the other. Sometimes they'll throw a date out there like they did with you. But it's, what do you want? What does that represent to you? So what is it that you want to create? Does it represent freedom? Does it, want, does it represent community or connection, safety? You know, what is, what is it that it represents? And then just start embodying that in your life now. Because really... If we experience on a moment-to-moment basis the frequencies that we want, do we really care what form it comes in? <laughs> you know? Yeah, no. I, I don't know about you, but me, not so much. Yeah. If I have lots of experiences that make me really happy, I'm not so picky about what they look like. Right. And I think we get locked into that idea of form because we have all of these preconceived ideas and notions and stories and fears that in order to be loved or approved of or accepted or safe or, you know, fill in the blank, um, that things have to look a particular way. And when we let go of the form and we just start working with the frequency, then things can come faster. And if you can work with the process that they've given, they kind of explained a bit of that with uh, with picking a frequency and and then emanating it, imagining what it would be like. If you start working that, you're going to find what you want showing up much faster and in ways that you couldn't even begin to dream about in bigger ways. And, you know, it's so funny because their process for manifestation is relatively simple. It's not horribly complex and it's deceivingly simple. But if you can actually work through the process, you'll find that what you want starts showing up and it's just so much easier. Yeah. I love how simple it is when it really comes down to it because everybody can practice these techniques and tips. And it's so much more, I think, about trusting and believing what you're doing is serving you. Yeah. And, you know, they always said that 
this is a very challenging dimension to exist in. Mm-hmm. And the construct of the game, it was supposed to be simple because the emotions made it really complex. So the actual steps are easy. It's just whether we let go of our, our beliefs, our emotions and our thoughts that are of limitation and separation. If we can let go of those, then it's actually pretty easy. But that's, as we know, being human is very, very challenging. Yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. So I have a question for you. I ask everyone who comes on this podcast, if you were a color, what color do you feel best represents your energy? Probably blue. Yeah, I think I'm blue. (laughs) Why blue? Well, I I could look at it from the standpoint of, you know, part of what I'm here to do is communicate. So if you think about the throat chakra being blue, but it's also my favorite color. But yeah, I think I probably carry a lot of blue in my aura as well. I think so. Yeah. And you have blue eyes. You're blue. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. So let everyone know where they can find you. So my website is higherfrequencies.net. And on there, you're going to find channelings with MP3s and there's access to our coursework, the process and... Um, We have Galactic Light Code Monthly coming out soon. Cool. So that'll be a Galactic Light Code that will support the group for the month, whatever's coming up for everybody, what they need. The guides are supplying a new code to help lift us and move us forward with that. So that's coming out soon. So exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Well, everybody listening, I'm going to do the process and I'll let everyone know how that goes. And there's so much that we can learn from Wendy. So check out her site keep connecting with her. She's amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Wendy. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for bringing the Pleiadians. That was such a treat for all of us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And we'll have you back soon. Thanks. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Wendy. She is such a huge inspiration to me and to Everybody who's into all of this celestial, non-physical being, higher frequency work. And I just love what she's doing to bring awareness to what's happening on other planets and how connected we are and how as humans, we can just be so much more stress-free and high vibe all the time. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you thought. And if you want more episodes that are like this, just send me an email, jordan at thebalancebond.com or comment on my Instagram, the TBB podcast Instagram or the Balance Bond Instagram. I'm really very reachable. And tell me what you thought. Tell me if you would like to hear more. And if you're still listening and you haven't joined the Soul on Fire podcast tribe on Facebook, then head over to Facebook and join Soul on Fire podcast tribe. It's such a cool group of people, very interactive, probably the most interactive group I've personally ever been a part of, which I find so cool that everybody connects with each other. People have made friends in different cities. There's a whole group of people in LA who met in the group and they hang out with each other and we hang out at my events when they come take my yoga classes and it's just a really cool way to connect with like-minded people and I'm so honored that such cool people have joined. You are all so amazing and interesting and fun and lastly I just wanted to remind you that if you so happen to be inspired to rate and review the podcast, then I am 
always sending out my blogging tips and tricks ebook to, or it's not an ebook, it's a document, my blogging tips and tricks document to anyone who rates and reviews the podcast and sends me a screenshot to jordan at thebalancedblonde.com. So that's just a thank you for supporting me and getting this podcast far and wide to reach more people so that we can spread the good vibes about health and spirituality, wellness, all the good stuff. And lastly, lastly, check out Four Sigmatic, our amazing sponsor from today's episode, Mushroom Coffee and all their other awesome products with the code BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E at checkout and sending you guys all of the love from Bali and all the healing vibes. And now it's time to go get a massage and eat at the best cafe ever called Clear Cafe. Lots of pictures to come. Love you guys. Have an amazing and inspired day.